0: It is so good to be with you today. I'd like to begin by telling you about a young person named Steve. Steve is someone who comes to my church in Los Angeles on a regular basis. I remember one time I went to see Steve and I say, Steve, is there something I can pray for you about? First time he turned to me and said, nothing. No, I'm okay. I said, that's all right. The next time around, uh, after seeing Steve, I did the same thing, asking Steve if there's something I could pray for him. The answer again is no. And I did that several times to the point that I got a little bit curious. So I decided to ask Steve why he always answered no to my question. Steve's answer is quite revealing. He told me, well, Pastor Anthony, you know, I think God is so busy with the world, even with the whole universe. I just don't want to bother him with my situation and my life. You know, come to think of it too, I got everything covered. I'm okay. I don't need help. I don't know if you've met anyone like that, or perhaps you think the same way as Steve. Really? You don't need any help? You got everything covered? I think all of us, one time or another, or sooner or later, need help. Not to mention help that comes from God. This morning, we're going to look at a psalm that is a prayer, a prayer of help, asking God to be the psalmist's help. And as we look at this psalm, it is a prayer, it is a plea, as a turning to God for, because he's the only one who can help the psalmist and help us. Before we look at Psalm 121, let me just give you a little bit of a background about it. Psalm 121 is part of a group of psalms that is called the Songs of Ascent. These are songs that the people of Israel would sing as they traveled to Jerusalem to, to worship the Lord in Jerusalem. And if you know the geography of Israel, Jerusalem is on a mountain area, a, a higher level than the rest of Israel. So to go from where they are to Jerusalem, you will ascend. You will make your way up towards Jerusalem. So as they were making their way, they are singing. Therefore, these are songs of ascent. And these psalms go from Psalm 120 to 134. And the psalm we're going to look at today is Psalm 121. One of those songs. Maybe it's a song that would be one of the first songs that they would sing as they leave their home on their way to Jerusalem. And as I've said, Jerusalem is located on a mountainous area. It's about 2,800 feet above sea level, about 740 meters high. So if you are going from a level plane up, it's quite a journey towards Jerusalem. I would compare that, say, when we would go to Baguio for our retreats, our camps. And so we were here in Manila, and we will ascend towards Baguio. And we would sing songs, getting ourselves prepared as we make our way up. The only difference is this: in 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 the psalmist's time, there are no cars, there are no buses. You essentially have to walk, you know, from where you are all the way up to the mountain top. So, with that in mind, think of what circumstances, what help would the psalmist need as he makes his way up on Jerusalem. I'm sure number one is safety. You know, safety must be the number one concern of the pilgrim, especially as they journey on the roads through the hill country up into Jerusalem. You know, the the psalmist could probably stumble and hurt themselves along the way. Or maybe the sun is out shining so brightly you might suffer sunstroke. Or maybe as you make your way at night, it might be chilly and you may catch a cold. You could think of a lot of concerns that the psalmist may have, things that he needed help with, especially from God. And there's always the possibility of robbers that may soup down and hurt this traveling pilgrim on their way to Jerusalem. And the message of the psalmist is, God, I need your help. God, you're the one I need. You know, the message of Psalm 121 applies to us today as well. Yes, we may not be going up to Jerusalem, but we also need God's help for the journey in our life today. This morning, as we look at Psalm 121, we would learn four reasons why God can help us. Four reasons how you could turn to God and God can help you in the journey called life. Let's look at each one of them briefly, shall we, today. The first reason why God can help us is because He made you. He made me. He made all of us. Look with me in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 121. It begins with these words, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven And earth. You know, if God made the heavens and the earth, then He certainly must be a God of power. He certainly must be a wise God. He certainly must be a glorious God to whom we could turn to and need not be afraid. You see, everything in heaven and in earth bears witness, testify that our Creator is a great God who also, by the way, is our heavenly Father. You know, isn't it the case when we turn for help from someone, you know, we would turn to someone who knows how to fix things, who perhaps is quite knowledgeable, who is capable. I mean, that only makes sense. You would not look for someone who is sick, who is, uh, you know, kind of uh, weak. You know, you look to someone who is able to help. And certainly that's the case with the psalmist. He said, if there is someone who can help me, it must be the creator of heaven and earth. It must be God. You see, you know, God knows the best way to get the job done. God is able to provide the right tools so that I would be able to succeed in whatever I do. God is the great helper who knows how things work He surely can help me. He surely can help you because he knows every aspect of his creation. That's what the psalmist is saying here in verses 1 and 2. But you know what? There is a question. You know, you certainly might know that God can help, but are you asking him for help? It's like my friend Steve. Steve, you know, certainly Steve believed that God can help, but are you asking him for help? You know, let me ask you this: Do you ask for help? I remember uh, asking a group of uh, young people. I was uh, doing, a leading a study, and I simply I asked two questions. Number one: Do you ask for help? Are you the type that would look for help or ask for help from someone? Or another way to look at: it, uh, Do you rarely ask for help? Or for some of you, are you reluctantly asking for help only when you really have to? That's, then you will ask for help. What kind, how would you answer that question? And then I have a follow-up question. Not only do you ask for help, complete this sentence. I don't ask for help because. Finish that statement. I do not ask for help because blank. Let me share with you a few answers that I got. You know, very interesting answers from uh, those that I asked this question. One person said, well, people always seem to let me down, so I don't ask for help. Another answer, well, people don't understand me. And, well, I don't ask for help because I could do things better and faster. Another answer, I don't want to bother others. Here's my favorite, you know, I'm too shy to ask for help. But this one, this last one that I'll share with you, is quite revealing. I'm too proud to admit that I, you know, that I don't know. Therefore, I don't ask for help. Does any of those answers sound familiar? Can you imagine saying those words to God? God, you know what? I could do better. God, you know what? I don't want to bother you. God, I'm too shy to ask for help. Or, God, I'm too proud admit that I need help. You know, it's such a shame that maybe for some people they know God can help, that God is able to help, but they don't turn to him for help. Reminds me when I was in college, I worked in a store called Davis Lighting. This is a store that sells and install all types of light fixtures, during my first month, I just started in this store. I remember there was one incident that happened. I was back in the, in the uh, stock room, you know, uh, you know, working on the inventory, and I heard there's a knock at the door, the back door. So I went out to check it out. And when I opened, I saw an old man who said that he wants to come in. I told this old man that, you know, everyone, you know, we were instructed, all employees are instructed to tell everyone to go through the front door if they want to come in to the store. So having said that, I slammed the door shut. But the old man kept knocking at the door, wanting to come in. You know, finally I I, I opened the door and I shouted at this man. I said, go away. You can't come in. I told this old man and again slammed the door shut. My manager heard the commotion and came out to ask what's going on. You know, I said, "Oh, there was some old man who wanted to come in, but that's okay, I got rid of him." You know, this old man said his name is Lyle, you know, and wanted to come in, but I said, "No, you can't." And I told him to go away. You should see the face of my manager when I said those words. And as soon as I finished, he quickly rushed and trying to catch the old man who turned out to be Mr. Lyle Davis, the owner of Davis Lighting. In effect, I told the owner of the store that he cannot come in. And that, in fact, I don't want him to come in the door. You know, I mean, that's kind of a, a funny story, but it's quite revealing, wouldn't you say, how many of us made the same kind of mistake of turning away, the person who matters the most, of slamming the door at the person who made us, who said no to whom we eventually need to give account with our life, the owner, the creator of heaven and earth, our God. Number one, how n- uh, Number one, how God can help us because He is the one who made us. There's a second reason why God can help us with our needs. It is because God is always awake. God is ever ready. He is always awake to help us. Look at verses 3 to 4 of Psalm 121. It goes on to say, He, that is God, will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This is a wonderful verse if you just take a few minutes to think about it. The word translated move means to slip, to slide, to stagger, to be shaken. The psalmist says, my creator, my God, he will not let my foot. To slip, to slide, to be shaken, he will not let me fall how easy it is as you travel along. Remember, you're not riding a car, you're not riding a bus, you are walking on the way to Jerusalem. How easy it is to sprain an ankle, to fall and even break a bone as you walk on an even, even rocky paths. You know, God is concerned about our walking. Isn't that wonderful? God is thinking of even our you know, not just where we're going to go, but how, what, you know, and what are the dangers along the way that we will encounter. He is concerned about our feet, about our walk. And then the word keep, the Lord will keep, the Lord who keeps us, he will not slumber or sleep. If you read through Psalm 121, that word keep keeps appearing again and again, to be exact, six times that the word keep happen, And the word keep simply means to guard and to protect. God will guard, God will protect you. Even while we sleep, God watches over us. And the wonderful thing is this, he will not sleep. He does not need to sleep. So you could rest assured that as you sleep away, he will be there for you. In Psalm 34, verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are are open to their cry. Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you, says the Lord. I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I promise I will keep you. You know, we all know that there are people who, we turn to for help and they're wonderful people you know but and uh, but many times they could not be there all the time isn't it they could do, they could be part of the time they might even be there most of the time but they cannot be there all the time that's just how it is with people we turn to but not so god because god doesn't need to sleep he is awake all the time. Think about that. The great helper that is God can be counted on to protect you, no matter what kind of danger you may encounter. You know, this week I've been reading uh, about, uh, I I read what Pastor John Piper, one of my favorite authors and speaker, had to say about sleeping. Would you listen to what he says about, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the, an important fact about sleeping. Listen, John Piper said this, sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. I like that. God doesn't sleep, but we do, from, for we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. The sickness is a chronic tendency to think that we are in control, that our world is indispensable. Piper continues, sleep is a parable, that God is God and we are mere men. God handles the world quite nicely while all you and me sleeps. Sleep is like a broken record that comes around with the same message every day. You are not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Don't miss that lesson. Don't let that lesson be lost on you. God wants to be trusted as the great worker who never tires, who never sleeps. He is not nearly as impressed with our late nights and our early mornings as he is with the peaceful trust that casts all anxieties on him and sleeps. Brothers and sisters, that is such a wonderful reminder for us all. You know, we sleep. We cannot be up all the time. But not so God. God is awake and he will watch over us. God can help because, number one, he made us. Number two, he's always awake. There's a third reason why God can help us. And that is because he's always close by us, by you, by me. Would you look at verse 5 and 6 of Psalm 121? The psalmist said these words, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night." You know, all of us know that those that we turn to for help, you know, we are thankful for them. But many times, they are far away. There are times when you call out to them, it will take them some time to get to you. And sometimes, you know, they are so far away that, um, you know, perhaps by the time they get to you, you don't need them anymore. You know, and, and, and so what I'm saying here is sometimes, you know, the, 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 those that we turn to, you know, are, cannot always be by our side, and that kind of adds to the, to, the, to, to the problem, so to speak, of turning for help, but not so God. You know, the great helper, the psalmist said, he is always there, all the time. In fact, he is right by your side, and all you need to do is to call on him. You know, I love what the psalmist said. He said, Lord, you are my shade, so that the sun will not strike me. You know, I think for us here in the Philippines, where the weather is, you know, can warm up easily, we know, you know, uh, the, 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 the uh, importance of having a shade, especially when the noonday sun is striking so hot, you know, and, and, and we are looking out for a shade. Shade, you know. I read up on it recently. Uh, you know what is the significance? I mean, we certainly know when you find a shade, you know, from from the, the the you know sun. You know, it makes a difference. But I read, I read recently. You know, what exactly is the significance of the shade? Such as this tree. This, can you imagine going through a desert on your way to Jerusalem? It's so hot, and you see this tree wouldn't you want to go under its shade? I read somewhere um, that, do you know that the temperature, you know, outside the shade and inside the shade is exactly the same. So if the temperature outside is 34 degrees, inside the shade, it is also 34 degrees. So it's like, what? You know, it's the same? Yes, the temperature is the same. So what is the difference? What difference does being under the shade make? It certainly feels better than outside the shade, right? Here's the remarkable thing. You know, when you're inside the shade, the temperature may be the same, but the the shade blocks the direct sunlight from hitting your skin, and so you're able to perspire. You're able to adjust. Your temperature is able to cool off more effectively than if you were outside the shade. When I learned about that, I said, wow. You know, many times we think, you know, if you're under the shade, things are better. That somehow the problems will be all gone. That somehow, you know, the, uh, the temperature will go down. No, it's exactly the same. Nothing really has changed, you know, in terms of the circumstances. But, the in, but underneath the shade, Somehow we are able to cope with things. We're able to deal with whatever it is we're struggling effectively. I like that. You know, when we are under the shade that is the Lord, we have an advantage. We are able to deal with that which God, uh, that, we, that we are going through in life. And, and the difference is what? Is God is there with us. We are not alone. We are enabled, we are able to deal with this, the, 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 the things that we're going through in life. Brothers and sisters, God does not promise that we will never have problems. God never say, I will take you out, so you will never experience problems. Now, that, may ha- that will happen when we are in heaven, but not yet. In the meantime, we are here on earth, we will go through struggles and difficulties. God never promised that we will never have problems, but He did promise that He will be with us. He will be our shade. He will enable us to go through it and that we will not be burdened by it. He assures us that nothing can touch our souls. Nothing can separate us from His love. Moreover, since God guards us, we know that our eternal destiny is secure in His hands and that all things will pass him first before it comes to us. And whatever it is that he allows to come to us will ultimately be for our good. God is there always close by to be sure of that. God can help us because he made us. God can help us because he's always awake. God can help us because he's always close by you, by me, by us. Finally, one last reason, as if you need more, right? The psalmist said God can help because he will never give up on you. God will never give up on you. Look at our last two verses this morning. It says that the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You know, we are never promised freedom from trouble, as I said earlier. But God did promise to keep us from the evil that could destroy our souls. Verse 7 says, God will keep your life. The word life there is translated, should be translated soul. It's not that you will not die you know, or not experienced things, but that God will keep your soul. It's like that hymn that we all love that says, Whatever is my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. God will keep your soul. God has been keeping our soul. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, He is your Savior and Lord, you can rest assured that He will keep you. You were going to make it ultimately into His presence. That is the promise of God. And verse 8 goes on to assure us that God is watching over us from the start until the end. You know, uh, in our life, those we turn to for help, you know, we're, again, we are so appreciative of those who can help us in this life. But you know what? Many of them can only go so far, isn't it? Some of them, they help us, and then they give up. Some of them, you know, they want to move on, you know. Uh, They helped you to a certain way, but then they have to go on, and they can't help you anymore. They quit, so to speak. Perhaps they're going for something better, and then they want to do something else. In this life, help never stays forever, as our Tagalog says, walang forever. <laughs> you know, we all know, we all understand it. That That's, describes help. That describes our life now, even our help. But not so with God. You see, God is our great helper. God protects you in this life. He will provide you also for the next life. He is there for you now. He will be there for you forever. Some time ago, I was so moved by a statement that I saw uttered by a Christian girl in Nigeria. This Christian girl was kidnapped by the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram in northern Nigeria. And when they were freed, they were rescued. This young girl said these words to the journalists that were interviewing her. She said, I felt that God had forsaken me. There were times when I was so angry with him. But still, I could not get myself to renounce him. I found myself remembering his promise that he will never leave me nor forsake me. And listen up, she went on to say this word. The reason she could not get herself to renounce Jesus, to, to say that I will no longer believe in Jesus, she said this, because the Lord will watch over my life he will watch over my coming and my going. Quoting from Psalm 121. God will never quit helping you and me. And this help will continue into eternity. God is providing for us. God helps us now and helps us in the future. I want to close this morning by sharing a wonderful story I read this week. It was a story that the writer Henry Nowen shared. You see, Henry Nowen was fascinated with a group of trapeze artists called the Flying Rodley. You know what trapeze artists are? These are those acrobats that are that can, you know, jump from one end to another, swinging, you know, hundreds of feet up in the air. I mean, amazing, you know, things that they can do. You know, and uh, and, and Henry Nowen decided to interview. You know, uh, the, these trapeze artists, you know, where did they get the courage? You know, how could they dare to soar, you know, and trust each other as they jump from one end to another, depending on each other? So he talked to one of the, you know, the leader of the Rodelais to ask them, how is it that they can do that? And this is the answer of the leader of the flying Rodelais. Listen to what he said. He said, as a flyer, you know, the person that jumps from one end to the other, I must have complete trust in my catcher. You know, the public might think that I am the great star of the trapeze, but the real star is Joe, my catcher. You see, he has to be there for me with split-second precision to grab me out of the air as I come to him in the long jump. So, Henry, now it says, well, how does it work? Rodley went on to say this word. The secret is the flyer does nothing. The flyer does nothing. The catcher does everything. Rodley say, you know, when I fly to Joe, I simply stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and to pull me safely over the catch bar. Henry Nowen, when he heard that, he was surprised. He said, you do nothing? Yes, said Rodley. In fact, the worst thing that the flyer can do is try to catch the catcher. I am not supposed to catch Joe. It is Joe's job to catch me. Because if I were to catch Joe's wrist, wrist, I might break it, or he might break mine. And that would be the end of the both of us. A flyer must fly, a catcher must catch. The flyer must trust with outstretched arms that the catcher, his catcher, will be there for him. When I read that story, I said, That's what Psalm 121 is telling us. Lord, here I am. Lord, this is where I am. Catch me, Lord. You're the only one that can see me through. Whatever it is that I am going through, catch me, Lord. I will lean on you. I trust you, God. God can help because he made you. God can help because he's always awake. God can help because he's always close by you. God can help because he will never give up on you. May this be our testimony. May this be our encouragement. May this be our assurance as we walk with the Lord this coming week. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, you are, are our great helper the great helper in our time of need which is in our time today thank you O god how you have protected us thank you O god for providing help for us thank you O god that you are there beside us today tomorrow and forever be that our be, let that be our joy let that be our peace For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.